Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified sound and reconnective healing therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. And we do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, that's fine. Just call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via phone, or please make sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving about. Our guest tonight is absolutely wonderful. He's done so many things. His name is Mark Nepo, and he's moved and inspired millions of people with his number one New York Times bestseller, The Book of Awakening. Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller, and an eloquent spiritual teacher. He is most certainly a beloved poet, teacher, and storyteller, and his work is widely accessible as his books have been translated into more than 20 languages. A best-selling author, he's published 15 books and recorded nine audio projects. Reduced to Joy, the book we're discussing this evening, has been cited by Spirituality and Practice as one of the best spiritual books of 2013. He also has a six-CD box set of teaching conversations based on the poems in Reduced to Joy, and another book, 7,000 Ways to Listen, won the 2012 Books for a Better Life Award. Mark has appeared several times with Oprah Winfrey on her Super Soul Sunday program on OWN TV, and he's also been interviewed by Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. The Exquisite Risk was cited by Spirituality and Practice as well as one of the best spiritual books of 2005, calling it one of the best books we've ever read on what it takes to live an authentic life. Now, he has some upcoming work as well that will be launching in 2015, and that includes Inside the Miracle and The Endless Practice. Mark devotes his writing and teaching to the journey of inner transformation and the life of a relationship. And he continues to offer readings and lectures and retreats. And tonight, we are so very fortunate to have him here with us. So good evening, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you being this evening? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm being well. Thanks so much. <laughs> I appreciate being with you tonight. Oh, well, I'm excited because The Book of Awakening was a fabulous book, you know, and that's not just me. It was a number one New York Times bestseller, so <laughs> <laughs> I think we all agree on that. And congratulations uh, on all of your awards you've received for your work. There are so many, and they are so well-deserved, and you, such great honors for you. I'm sure you're thrilled. I, I am for you. You've just written so many books. Well, well thanks. And, we, you know, I think, um, you know, we all, every person has a gift if we can just find, find it. And then it's kind of like a fish finding their water. And then once we're there, you know, you just keep swimming, <laughs> you know, you just keep That's swimming. That's so true. That's so true. And, and, to, and the way that we present ourselves to the world is the gift we give to the world. And when you do find it, if you can present it in such a beautiful way as you have, wow, do the rest of us benefit. So that's a wonderful thing. I'm curious, though, with all the books you've written, and this one, I, I wanted to try, I usually try when I have people on, if it's a book similar to this of poetry or something, I usually try to find the one favorite. And I must say, there's more than one for me, so I couldn't pick one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but what was the inspiration behind this particular book, Reduced to Joy? Sure. Well, you know, uh, poems, 
and and let's talk about poems for a minute, you know, because we all uh-huh. we all went to school and we all I think mistakenly w- learned about rhyme and meter and all of the things, but poetry really isn't about the manipulation of language. Poetry to me is really the unexpected utterance of the soul. Any moment when we find ourselves being completely vulnerable and truthful and we don't even have to write it down the poets the words are just the trail and poems kind of they come you know the other books that that i've written you can plan and work on it but the poems come and you gather them like i feel like they're teachers and or like i discover them like you would shells along the shore and then after a while you put them all together you look at what you have in this bucket that you've collected and so this one has really I'm 63 and this this book really covers poems from the last 13 years so kind of I think maybe the oldest poem in this book is when I was 49 or 50 and you know the title reduced to joy I'm a long-term cancer survivor 26 years and yay no thanks you know it seems like <laughs> a lifetime ago and yesterday <laughs> and yes but you know one of the things that I've learned through that and, and that has changed everything for me is that you know the way that the elements wear down nature to their beauty the river of experience wears us down to our beauty and it seems like life has been made by design whether you believe in god or nature or the universe and whatever name you want to give to everything greater than us it feels like life has been made just difficult enough that we need each other <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that, no, that no one can quite do it alone and if we can hold each other up to the weather of life i feel that we are reduced to only what matters and all that's left uh, as i am experiencing is wonder and joy doesn't mean that we don't feel things and disappointment and grief and pain and and worry but you know but just like those beautiful mountains that are rounded by hundreds of years of wind you know we we start to show our inner beauty as life wears us down to what matters that you know you've said a lot of beautiful things here the first of which was the unexpected utterance of the soul i I completely get what you mean by that because it doesn't have to be, you know, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, and, you know, and do, as you said, in the meters and, and such, that when you put the words together and you come from your heart, that is pure poetry, even if it's Absolutely. in the form of prose, you know? Absolutely. And, it's not about yeah, how, yeah. whether it's in paragraphs or lines. It's about the, it's about the honest truth and, and heart of what what comes through us, you know. And it obviously comes through you very well and you know, I I when this book came across my desk reduced to joy. I have this thing about joy and I'm sure the listeners are probably going to say, "Oh, here she goes again. She's going to tell the story." Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> the movie The Bucket List. I must have asked everyone after I saw it, "Did you see The Bucket List? Wasn't it profound?" And everyone looked at me and thought, She's crazy. What does she mean it's profound? The bucket list with Jack Nicholson and, and Morgan Freeman? Oh, sure, profound. I know that, yeah. Yeah, and I said, yeah, it's profound. When they were on the mountaintop 
and I don't know if it was Everest or what it was. I don't even remember that part. You know, I just know they were on the mountaintop and it was snowy and Morgan Freeman said to Jack Nicholson, well, the only two questions that you really have to answer when you die are, did you bring joy to others and did you find joy for yourself? And that just struck me in that moment. And I was, oh my gosh, that's what it's all about. And it really, really hit me. So when I got your book, I thought, I, this, I, have to, I absolutely have to have this person on my show because I knew about the Book of Awakening and I was familiar with it. And I said, I really want to, to have this as well to talk about joy because to me, that's really what it is all about. If you're in joy, if you're bringing joy to others and finding joy for yourself, there's no room for anything else. There's no room well, for negativity. Well, yeah, and let's, let's you know, talk about, about that. You raised some wonderful things. Let's talk about joy a little bit, at least as I... Mm-hmm. I'm coming to understand it, especially as I get older. And so, so first, let me echo. I I think you know what what Morgan Freeman in that movie, you know, says, and the way that I would would affirm that is that yeah, you know, we have we 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 all face the prospect, you know, knowing that we're going to die, we face the prospect of living openly, honestly, and fully and truly. And if we are living, then we face the prospect of loving well. Mm-hmm. And we all make mistakes. We're human, and we come in and out of it. And and I think that I'm feeling more and more that, you know, the fullness, the wholeheartedness of being human. So, you know, a lot of times people think, and especially in our society that's afraid of feelings, that, oh, being joyful means that I'm I'm going to cheer up when I'm depressed. I'm going to not, you know get stuck in I'm not going to feel all my pain or all my disappointment and you know I've come to understand that differently I feel like it's through the wholeness of our humanity that we discover joy so imagine imagine under those cliffs the the water the full ocean and we all know that you know you look at a big sea or the ocean and there's all these waves you know and then under mm-hmm. it is deep. Well, the waves are the thousand human feelings. Fear, pain, worry, anxiety, peace, happiness. But joy to me is the depth of being that holds all those waves. So joy is much greater than happiness is a mood. I like happiness. I like to be happy. Mm-hmm. But I want to feel everything that comes my way so I can be fully alive so that I can settle into the depth of joy. I agree with you wholeheartedly because in order to get over anything, you must go through it. And if we don't go through things, we don't learn and grow and can't appreciate. And there is where we find the joy. Correct? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then that brings us, you know, to compassion because it's so... You know, um, it's compassion really comes, you know, I, I, we all have been through things in life, but I find each thing I go through makes me more compassionate. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and until you fall down, you, you know, we all have impatience with people who fall down. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, they should have looked where they were going. They didn't pay attention. It was their own fault. And then we fall down and we go, oh, stuff happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And now, now we're more <laughs> compassionate, you know. And, like, I'm I'm very healthy, thankfully. I'm well. But, you, you know, I remember, oh, maybe 10 years ago I had a thing where, 
I was exercising, and I pulled something in my back, and it was the first time in my life I had any kind of back pain. And, you know, all of a sudden it was like I could, it was hard to get up for a while. You know, it took like a three weeks or four weeks. Well, you know, before that, I would see older people in the grocery store and, you know, I'd quietly feel impatient as it took them forever to get from the checkout line to the door. Well, I'll tell you, after I hurt my back, I I, I stopped being impatient. I went and helped them carry their bags. <laughs> yeah, whole new perspective, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely, of course, it goes the other way as well. I have hurt my back, and I didn't get any kind of sympathy or anything from my husband, and then he hurt his back. And I said, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what it feels like. <laughs> so it can be a double-edged, uh, a double-edged sword, absolutely. I think, you know. <laughs> you know, I think that a lot of people don't really get that whole joy thing because they think it is just the, uh, if I can use the word, the, um, the superficial, the, the, the top of it, you know, like happiness and, and you can't, if you're in joy, then you can't be depressed and you must be happy all the time. That's not it at all. It's, it's being aware. It's a total awareness of where you are and what you're being and how you're reacting in the moment so that you can, as you say, get through and eventually reach that, you are reduced to joy because you have to be if you have any awareness at all about you to, to see that there is, it's almost like looking for the gratitude within everything, everything bad. There is something good that comes from, and you can be grateful for it. But some well, people yeah. I think, have difficulty with that. Yeah. Every, as hard as it is, every crack is an opening. Mm-hmm. And of course, while we're being cracked, we go, Oh, that's great. Um, that really helps a lot to hear that. But, yeah. but it's true. And, and all the traditions, speak about this in one way or another. You know, in the Tibetan mythology, a spiritual warrior, not a military warrior, a spiritual warrior, that is one who's committed to a life of transformation. It's said that a spiritual warrior always has a crack in their heart because that's how the mysteries get in. And, you know, it's very human that when we're hurting or we're worried or we're afraid, we tense up or we close off or we want to put a wall up. That's a very natural response. But whether we then make that a philosophy of life to be walled in, that's another thing. And as soon as we wall, you know, we cover over the crack, we also block out the mysteries from getting in. You know, in, in the Jewish tradition, it's spoken about a little differently. There's a there's a, a phrase in in uh, Deuteronomy that says that God places His words like honey on the heart. And in the Talmud, there's a little story where a, teach, a rabbi and his his student, very precocious student, says, "Hey, well, you know, if God's all powerful, then why doesn't He just put the words in our heart?" <laughs> and the rabbi says, ah, grasshopper, <laughs> you know, he goes, hey, he goes, because you wouldn't even know that they were there. And God puts the words like honey on your heart so that when life, as we've been saying, when life will crack you open, then those words will drip like honey right into the very, the sorest places and soothe you. So all the traditions talk, and you know, it, 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 it's there's nothing as magnificent and messy as being a human being. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. True. <laughs> the you know the poems that you've written over the last thirteen years. You've gathered in this book the poems from the last thirteen years, and and I I wonder. I mean, I'm not a poet, but I write, and when I write. And sometimes I write and I think, wow, that's really kind of cool. That's beautiful. And I save these things so I can go back and read them so that they make me remember or bring about something in me that I liked when I wrote it. And I find that it has actually made an impact in my life journey. So I'm wondering, are these poems reflective of your life journey over the past 13 years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, for for sure. You know, um, and here, let me... Let me um, and you know, if there's any that you're that you'd like me to read, I'm happy to. But I was thinking of, as you mentioned, that one uh, uh, early in the book called "Feeling the Ore," which is about my father. And you know, my father, I uh, lost my father last September. He was 93, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, as with any parent, um, you know, it's a lifelong journey. And I remember this was written maybe 10 years ago. But I was uh, on my way flying to teach uh, somewhere, you'll see in the poem, and when I, I all of a sudden felt so like felt that we, how we were connected. So this, is, this is called Feeling the Oar. Mm-hmm. I was in the air, frustrated that fog had delayed us. Now I would miss my flight to Dallas, where I was on my way to speak about obstacles as teachers. I was feeling pissed off when I noticed my left hand on the seat. It was my father's hand. The large knuckles, the pronounced veins, the bark-like wrinkles at the base of my thumb. It was his hand, as I had seen it countless times, guiding a piece of wood through a bandsaw, or tapping on an open book as he would try to understand. I opened and closed it like someone waking from a long sleep it is the hand I write with and it is weathered an immigrant hand rough from crossing many seas had it not been for the fog and the delay I wouldn't have noticed I touched it with my other hand trying to know my father trying to feel the oar trying to remember the sea it's beautiful. Well, thank you. Mm, yeah. It's, you know, and, the, and the, te- the teaching in that poem for me, because again, I don't write, I don't write about what I know. I follow my heart and 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 see what it, what I learn. And the words you are write just, what you feel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and then I never know where where it will lead. But you know, I could have easily missed that. Right. You know, there are a thousand little angels that speak to us every day, and it's all so okay. You know, we don't need to get tight. Like, oh, well, I could have missed it. I mean, but there'll be another one <laughs> right. tomorrow, <clears throat> and another, and another. But you know, until I was stopped, and you know, forced to wait, then all of a sudden I looked at my hand. And I said, Oh my God, that's my. That looks just like my father's hand. Mm-hmm. And that right there, when things like that happen and your awareness increases, you can't help but change or grow during those moments, and then it stays with you. 
Absolutely, we're changed. We're changed forever. You know that. That's the funny thing is, you know, we think that we make decisions about. Oh, I don't know if I want to be like this or like that or think like that. It's already happens. Mm-hmm. You know, half the time, the things we fear and we want to we put up walls. It's already in us. It's already come through, and now we got to deal with it. <laughs> Exactly, and that's the learning and the growth that we and, and we choose it. We do choose it, I believe. You know, it's it's what we have to do. Uh, there's one thing that you speak about: the means to discover a meaningful life, and, and you talk about working with what we're given. And yeah. that was just so very so very interesting and, and 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 exciting to read about. Would you like to elaborate on that for us? Sure. Actually, you know, I <clears throat> I had that one of the books. Uh, I have a chapter in the new book that actually is coming out sooner than we thought. It's the endless practice becoming who you were born to be is going to come out this fall. And there's a chapter oh, in there that is called what what's in the way is the way. And you know we are we are asked to work with what we're given. Um, it doesn't mean we don't have dreams and plans and goals and that we try to do things. You know, it was Winston Churchill who said that uh, planning is essential, but plans are useless. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that yeah, that's all kindling. That's for the fire. That we we need to do that. But we are asked constantly to work with what's before us and discover the miracle of life in what's right at hand. You know, it's amazing. I I remember years ago, and I wrote about this in the Book of Awakening, but I used to, I was lucky, I was able to spend uh, summers for about 10 years in my 40s on a lake in upstate New York. It's a little small lake. And, and, um, And so there were cabins on one side, and the far side was state land, so it was unpopulated. And I would get up early in the morning, and I'd sit and have coffee on the shore. And the far side looked so magical, you know, the light shining on the water and the stones and just under the trees. And, and you know, like by the third or fourth morning, I was there for a week, I said, i gotta, I got to go over there. That's like really something else. And I got in the rowboat, and I rowed, you know, it took about a half hour. I rowed to the other side that I'd been watching for three days, and I brought the boat up and I got out and I sat on the very rock in the sun and it was really beautiful and wonderful and then I looked back across the lake to where I'd been sitting and now it looked magical and mystical and glimmering and you know there there's there's the lesson it was like it's always where we are not where we think oh it's over there oh mm-hmm. over there. there is no there there's only here is only here and you know great love and great suffering force us to say oh i i got to find the gold right where i am right where i am because the grass is not always greener it's just your perspective and it's once just, you see it from mhm <laughs> yeah you see it from afar and it looks beautiful and wonderful and then you get over there and you turn around and you look and you know we do the we do this with memories and dreams. We look mm-hmm. forward and we go, oh man, if I could only if I could only have this or have that or have this job or be with this person or you know, and it's not it's fine to work toward things, but like those shores, 
then once we get there, then we're looking back. Then we go, oh, if I could only be where I was. I didn't know it, but those were the days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's only one day, and that's today. Now. That's right, right now, <laughs> right now, where we are together. It's so true, and it's funny when people will say things like, well, I wish I had a do-over, and I'd, I will actually look at people and say, well, go ahead, do it now. Uh-oh, you just missed a second. You, now there's another second that just went by. You have a do-over every second. When you're missing them all, 10 seconds have gone by. What's wrong with you? You know, and they look at me, and they don't realize every second is a do-over. You get to start all over again and, and try something different because you've been given that second, and there are some people who do not get that privilege. So you may yeah. as well take advantage of it and, and try your best every, in every moment and know that that's all you've got is that moment that you have right now. This is the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's so mm-hmm. true. And, it's so, and, and we, all, we all do everything. I mean, we miss it, we find it, we drop it. We, you know, medieval monks, when asked how they practice their faith, would say, I love this, they'd say, by falling down and getting up. Mm-hmm. By falling down and getting up. Because you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Don't stay down. Get up. Join the rest of us, you know. <laughs> and every one of us at one time or another, you know, we need to own up to the fact that we've hurt someone we love. And, and maybe we don't do it purposely. It's inadvertent. But every one of us has done it. And you refer to this as the messy art of facing things. I love that phrase. Oh, yes, it's the messy art of facing things. You know, if we don't, we get stuck and we get nowhere and relationships falter because we can't forgive. So what is with the messy art of facing things? Well, I think that, you know, the the art of facing things, we are all asked, and this is directly connected to working with what we're given, we're asked to face things because when we don't, not only do we not live our lives, and again, remembering that we're all human and even though if we have a commitment and a, and a vow to face things we're not going to do it every day i don't do right. it every day i'm committed to trying to do it every day but i don't i don't do it every day i fall down and i get up and i make mistakes and i think i did and i don't and then i hurt somebody but the art but facing things when it's the key with an open heart to inhabiting our lives fully and when we don't whatever it is that is before us won't go away and therefore if it's painful we will play that pain out on something else so one of the key things if we want to reduce violence in the world the first place we can start is by facing what is ours to face so that we don't play the undigested experience on someone else or on something else. And it's messy because, you know, in, in close relationships, you know, we carry we carry everywhere we've been with us. So, you know, past relationships, growing up, we work out what we haven't with the people we're closest to. And that's at once the proper place to do it, and it can also be really unfair. You know, this is where all of a sudden I'm talking... Uh, you know, with my wife, and I all of a sudden uh, react strongly, and then later I think, oh, well, that felt like my mother, and she's not acting like my mother, so it's all in me. Where did that come from? 
Where did that come from? So that's part of the messy art of facing things. But what are, what are we facing? In that example, I need to face what I'm feeling so that I can understand where it really came from. Then I need to face my wife and say, it wasn't you, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It, was me, it was me. And then I need to face, develop what I call our own very personal practice of, well, okay, so how do I work on that so that the next time it happens, because it will, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I do it less, that I do it better, that I'm aware of it sooner. It's, these are all, it's, a very, it's interesting that everything that's universal is incredibly personal. That is, if what we talk about has meaning, then I can't tell you how to do it and you can't tell me, but we can compare notes and ultimately I have to find in a very personal way, where does that live in me? So the, the art of facing things leads us to working with what we're given so that we can uncover the miracle that's in every moment. What I liked about the messy art of facing things was, and as I'm listening to you talk, it's the, it's funny because it's such a beautiful way to face things because once you have that awareness and you face it and you own it and then you step up and make the apology and say, and now I'm aware and I will do better and hopefully it won't be as harsh the next time or whatever because we all know, yeah, there's going to be a next time. I mean, come on. You know? Right. <laughs> like you said, it's going to happen again. Yeah, we know that, you know. And where is this well, ugly head? What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, this is where, and, and we all know, we're aware, you know, of like Alcoholics Anonymous and the the 12-step program. And this is where there's a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in, in that program that's a applicable for everybody whether you're an addict or not because we're all addicted to our patterns whether you're addicted mm-hmm. to alcohol or sex or whatever we're all addicted to our own patterns <laughs> so the, the the beautiful step in there about making amends because the beautiful thing it's obviously in terms of relationship it makes a difference if i say i'm sorry but oh, sure. but also for my own growth until i say i'm sorry I'm not free of the story I'm telling myself, so I can't grow. Right. I'm just not free of it. So, you know, I think I'm starting to believe, really, as I get older, that the only difference between people who are wise and people who aren't is that people who are wise own their stuff and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. Yes. And I think that might come with experience. It isn't something that you're just given. <laughs> well, I think we get, you know, which is a, b- a good thing, is, you know, humility is a good thing. Being mm-hmm. humbled, which means, literally, it means, you know, humus, it means soil. So it means to be more connected to the ground you're standing on, to the earth that's under you. And 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 what I believe humility is about is that experience, and, and, okay, so, and this is this is really, I think, an important hard thing for all of us in our especially in our day and age. You know, one of the one of the paradoxes about about life that I've discovered or and I've certainly felt is that it doesn't matter how smart you are, how well prepared, how lucky, how many friends you got, how many connections you got, you know, sooner or later 
everybody will not get what they want. Mm-hmm. But something, and it's not to minimize. You know, sometimes the things we want are very dear to us, and rightfully so. So we have to deal, like we said earlier, with those feelings of loss and and disappointment and grief. So it's not to minimize what we want, and sometimes we want things that are trivial. But the point is that some point in the journey we don't get what we want and that's when our spiritual growth starts to open because it breaks our self-reference all of a sudden for the first time it's not just about us all of a sudden we are a living part in a living whole w-h-o-l-e and now now the journey starts to change. Now it is, oh, what kind of part am I in what kind of living universe? Am I a fish in a river? Am I a bird in a tree? Am I a rung on a ladder? Am I a star in the sky? Am I a leaf in the wind? You know, am I, you know, uh, a tool that others, that is of help to others? So then all of a sudden, it doesn't mean that we vanish. We don't, like, disappear and say, oh, I'm my, who I am as a person is not important. But it's just not, it's not all about us once our self-reference is broken. And, and then that's connected again to working with what we're given. This, these are some of the ways we're reduced by experience to the possibility of joy. Yes, and you have so many, I mean, every poem in the book is, is the way to show that, to show people the way to do that. One of the poems that, you know, in your book, where you look at what it means to know something by heart. Oh, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> Tell us about that and why, and why it is so very important. Well, you know, this is, this is a very interesting because, you know, we all, we think, and, and a lot of words and concepts, this is how I've gotten interested in the roots of them, because they started out years ago as, as more whole or complete, and as they've gone through the centuries, they get their meaning gets lessened. So to know by heart, we think of that right away as memorizing. If you know something mm-hmm. by heart, you've memorized it. So, you know, teachers will give an assignment. I want you to go home and know this by heart, memorize it. That's not what to know by heart means. To know by heart means to feel completely. To feel completely. As when if I feel your heartache, I can't be you, but I can feel what you're going through. And now we're connected. So to know by heart is to open up ourselves and to give enough attention. It's not to memorize or repeat over and over. It's to open ourselves to let other life in. So this leads to an interesting paradox. You know, I have, uh, you know, we spend so much time, and, and a paradox, let me say for a second, is are those times when more than one thing is true at the same time? And on the surface, mm-hmm. it looks like, well, how can that be? But the mind, the mind can't solve paradox. Only the heart, staying open to these things, can feel a deeper truth. So here's a paradox. 
we rightfully spend a lot of time learning who we are and standing firmly on the truth of who we are. We find ourselves and we need to stay true to ourselves. And yet, then we're asked to lose ourselves in order to be filled with beauty and the miracle of life. And so here's an example. This is how I started, came upon this idea of this or this understanding of it. I have a dear friend who loves, loves, loves jazz. He actually was a DJ for several years. He had his own jazz show. And he he's like music for him, jazz. He'll listen to something and he'll he'll just start to tear up because he's so moved mm. by the music. So we were having lunch and and my dear dear friend Bob said, uh, you know, I just you know, this I just love this piece of music by John Coltrane so much and he goes, But you know, sometimes it's scary because I listen to it and I I lose myself in it that I'm not sure I'm gonna come back the same after hearing mm. it. And you know what? That's the whole point. Right. <laughs> That's the whole point. And and it was when he shared that with me that I started to think about what we're talking about, that we need to at once know ourselves well enough but and stand in that ground and so we can love each other and be in the world and make it through difficult things. But the only way, but then we have to open up our boundaries and let things in like music and beauty and nature and poetry and art and love and so that we don't just stay just who we are that we grow that now we mix so so here's a wonderful quote about about joy from a sufi poet galib lived in the in the 1700s in india and he said for the raindrop joy is entering the lake for the raindrop, joy is entering the lake. Sure, that makes sense. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is so beautiful. What is that, and in our conversation, what that tells us is, so the raindrop doesn't lose itself by entering the lake. It adds no. who it is to the lake. It just loses its boundaries. It right. joins the rest of the water. It becomes and part of the whole. What, yeah. So isn't that what happens, like, to my friend Bob, when when he hears music for the moment, he's no longer Bob. He's, like, at one with the music. He's in the lake of the music. I think that's and, a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is. And, and, and it's a beautiful thing. That's what happens when we love. That's yes. also what happens uh, when we suffer together, when that's what compassion is, that while right. I can't, feel your pain or take it away from you if i love you there were moments when like that drop entering the lake oh man there's moments when i can it's you know it's almost my pain too mhm mhm yeah that's very true you know and and that is uh that is all compassion and that's why i think compassion connects us more so than love does love is too personal Compassion is, is really the connection because you don't have to so, love somebody to feel compassion for them. Yeah, yeah. And and so so one of the things I think in our society, in our culture, it's been throughout history, but even more so, is that 
you know, we spend so much time finding out who we are, standing in our own ground, but then we don't go the next step. Mm-hmm. Then we don't open our hearts and take the risk, which is really a courage. It's a quiet courage to lose, to open up our boundaries, to lose so that we can be touched and touch other life and other human beings. And this is where we're a little too too much, you know, we've made a god out of self-reliance. Like, hey, we're we can make it alone. Well, you know what? No one can make it alone. Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No one can do Nobody, it for you. No one can do nope. it for you. No one can can go where you need to go or feel what you need to feel. But no one can do it alone. That is okay. absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. You know the uh, the title poem of your book, Reduced to Joy, is a beautiful poem. Would you like to read that? Oh, sure. I'd sure be happy oh, to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, reduced to joy. I was sipping coffee on the way to work, the back road under a canopy of maples turning orange. In the dip of woods, a small doe gently leaping. I pulled over, for there was nowhere else to go. She paused as if she knew I was watching. A few orange leaves fell around her like blessings no one can seem to find. I sipped some coffee completely at peace, knowing it wouldn't last, but that's all right. We never know when we will blossom into what we're supposed to be. It might be early. It might be late. It might be after 30 years of failing at a misguided way, or the very first time we dare to shed our mental skin and touch the world. They say if real enough, some see God at the moment of their death. But isn't every fall and letting go a death? Isn't God waiting right now in the chill between the small doe's hoof and those fallen leaves? That's just beautiful. Thank you. You know, it. I, yeah, these poems are very moving. There's, I think, 73 are in the book, and yeah. they're all very moving, and they touch your soul. They don't just touch your heart. I've read things that touch my heart, and I've read things that touch my soul. Oh, and thank you. It, yeah, they really are very soulful, because, and, they, and they do bring a tear to your eye, and they do make you think, and they do make you become more aware. So... I appreciate. I applaud you for getting that point across. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful, and I just love what you've written. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. And I, I, you know, I think this book is wonderful for someone to read for themselves. But I also think there are things coming up where you know, anytime there's a, a gift that's due, a birthday, Mother's Day, Easter, Passover, whatever, get somebody the book, buy the book. <laughs> it's a really oh, terrific book. Oh, thank you. That's and, very kind of you. Yeah. That's neat. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's actually very true. It's it's because it does bring you to another place, and I think it opens you up to grow more. Whenever we read things like this that open your heart and touch your soul, you do grow more, and that to me is very important. And, and the more people do that, the better off the world is because, you know, it, it certainly is in a flux of change constantly, and we never know which way things are going. So I, I look at things like this, books like this, and I realize that there are people out there who are so aware, and they can put it into beautiful words, that can touch other people. And you never know what the impact is 
you know, oh, buy something no. free. These are, these are, you know, and again, it's like, you know, they come through me and I'm always amazed. Um, I learn about them from other people. You know, I, just because I wrote them doesn't mean I know what they all mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think you do. Because even if you didn't at the moment, you learned from it. <laughs> um, yes, well, thank you. I do. I try to. I try to. Yes, and, you know, we're almost out of time, so I'd really like it if you could tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and how they can go about purchasing your book. Sure. Well, you know, all of my books are all on Amazon and, you know, Barnes & Noble and everywhere. And there are two websites. Uh, one is com, and the other is Three Intentions, all spelled out, uh, you know, one like one word, dot com three intentions dot com and there are all my you know where i'm speaking i speak and teach and um you know at conferences and i lead retreats and workshops all all over the country and um and so folks if they're interested to work together can can find out you know uh, there where things are and and as I mentioned, you mentioned that, um, you know, there's, I'm going to be doing, I'm actually going to be recording it in May, first week of May, that Sounds True is going to come out with a, a six CD box set where I'm going to read, take about 40 to 50 of the poems in this book and use them as teachers, read them and talk about how they came and what they open up and what they speak to so i'm very excited about that and the the new book the endless practice will be out um at the end of august um oh that is exciting yeah yeah Yeah. i'm I'm very excited about about both of those yes i mean sounds true i love sounds true and so what a great yeah what a great connection that is for you you know good luck with that and the new book coming out rather than in 2015 i mean august that's really early normally launches are pushed way off and you know (laughs) so that's really terrific that you have that going (laughs) yeah and thank you so much It's, it's been great to be with you in a journey like this Oh, thank you, Mark, for your time and sharing all this information with us. It has been a a pure pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, we need you to spread the word. You know, we know that you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and a constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests I have, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. And we need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live with, with you know, productively, healthfully, and with full purpose. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to the show you just heard to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you have had this evening to learn and to grow and to make the world a better place for everyone. And on behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T-Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including some of the upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. And if you're not in the area or you can't make a concert, you can certainly go to my site and order my CD, Imagine, from the site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NR Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. And remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
Thanks a lot.